Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Sean Martin and Brendan Porath are back to recap an unbelievable open championship. We talked Tiger Surge on Sunday, Xander Schauffele, Ricky Fowler, and much more. First, I'd like to thank our open championship sponsor, Greater Than. It's a healthy and delicious alternative to your traditional sports drink, and it packs two times the electrolytes with half the sugars of its big brand competitors. Greater Than introduced a new trial pack, uh, which you can get on drinkgt.com. It gives you the chance to try each of their three flavors and decide which one you like the best. Give it a shot. It's my favorite non-alcoholic refreshment on the golf course. Now here's Brendan and Sean. The fried egg requires a different technique. What you need to do is actually square the face so it'll dig down underneath that bad lie and propel that ball right out onto the green. Here's the thing. Playing out of a buried lie in a bunker is completely different than playing out of a nice, clean lie in a greenside bunker. You need to be aggressive on any shot, whether it's sitting cleanly or it's a, a fried egg. Well, we've all faced it, the dreaded fried egg. Not to be feared though, it's actually a pretty easy shot to hit. I just the Xander thing is more true today than it was when you asked it before the player. <laughs> is Xander overrated or underrated? It's more true today than it was before the player. So you're doubling down on him being overrated. I'm not out. I did, there was this was a nuanced take. It wasn't that yeah. stink. So, it was so the general the general ignoramus yeah, the general ignoramus public, he's vastly underrated. But to it, the in the know golf audience who like he's they I'm just tired of him being like, Oh, I'm woke because I know who Xander is. Like we all know who Xander is. If you follow golf and don't know who Xander is, you're doing it wrong. Yes, it's more true today than it was to players. The question was, or our point, our response was, not that he sucks at golf, or he wasn't going to win, or this couldn't happen. It was that, it was like this hipster crowd saying, you know what, I think... Uh, I'm so woke, I, I know who Xander is. Done. No, you're not woke, he's a good player, you should know who he is. John keeps interrupting me, this is... This Sorry. Is it was like people saying, you know what? I think Brooks Kepka like like last year, I think Brooks Kepka's good at golf. He's my dark horse pick. Like no, it's not a dark horse. It's like it's not it's not it, that's the thing. Xander got too overrated with the hipster crowd. It's just like it's a ubiquitous take. He's good at golf. We know he's good at golf. I hope he does well. I would have been great. I would have been happy if he won today. That's fine. Amen. But it's more true that what what we were saying then is more true today than it was that when it, than it was even before the players. Good, uh, good on him for his runner up finish. That was great. But I mean, it only reaffirms like now everybody's like Xander, man. He's got. He's like I know golf. There's this guy with like kind of a funny name, man. I know golf, and, and you, you hear about Xander Shoffley. You hear, but you hear that name before. That's my guy. So that's the whole crew that it got that that. That's the whole genesis of this overrated thing. So the problem is that the pod is going to start in the middle of this rant somewhere that yeah. makes us both look like idiots again. No, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you guys the full runway here. Where where does Xander I mean, where does Xander rank 
among the young players in the game? Let's just say 25 and younger. I mean, you still got to put Spieth and JT ahead of them. Yeah. Rom? How young are we going? Like Cole Hammer? Um, have to, I think... Have to be I, professional. There, there was an over-under uh, better career in majors... Rom or Xander, somewhere in the Twitter replies, and I still I lean Rom. Uh, I, I mean, still lean Rom in, in that sense. Question. I mean, come on, I think we're getting a little carried away. But yeah, if Brendan and I don't realize that Xander Shoffley is good at golf, they're both idiots and should be immediately fired from our jobs. Um, no, yeah, I just uh, where do you do it, uh, Andy? You seem to have preconceived thoughts on this before you asked it. Um, so I think like, you know, two years ago, you would say there was like Spieth, JT and Berger, right? And I think he's, he's moved into, he's I'd ahead put, of Berger. I'd put him ahead of Berger for sure. Yeah, I, I think, for sure. I think with, uh, with Americans, I mean, obviously you got some young guys like DeChambeau and, and Aaron Wise that are just getting their kind of footing on the PGA tour, but you know, DeChambeau and, and Xander have essentially been pros, you know, for the same amount of time and, uh, you know, on the PGA Tour for the same amount of time. Both have two wins. But I think the thing that sticks out with Xander is, like, if you look at where he's gained all of his world ranking points, they're, like, the biggest events of uh, the PGA Tour schedule. I mean, he, got, he gets them in the majors. He gets them in WGCs, like... You know, he had a really good finish at, at Riviera. Like, you know, it's what impresses me is it seems like his game rises to another level when it's a stage with the best players in the world. You know, three. Totally. I mean, his his top tens this year are Riviera, the majors, and the players. Yeah. Like, T second at the players, T second at the open. <laughs> you know, first of the tour championship. He's got he's got three top sixes in majors. And a T second at the players, and he's and he's played in six of them. You know, four, you know, four top six finishes in the five biggest events of the year. Pretty. So your your cutoff was twenty five years old. Is that what the question was? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where you cut it off. I don't know what you. I think in today's day and age, twenty five is probably the young, right? Yeah. Post twenty five, you're like already entering your prime. Right, I mean that's kind of that's it's interesting. I think the I think the prime of a golfer has changed yeah. from it used to be you know thirty to forty to now right. it's twenty five to thirty five. Really, totally. I mean Patrick Rogers ten years ago, Patrick Rogers' career would be very far ahead of the curve, and now it's like he doesn't even get mentioned with his with his boys because they've done so much. But I mean he's like twenty five, had a tour card for a couple of years. Like that ten years ago, that was really really good. It's, I was, I was, uh, the thing with Shoffley is, I think Rom, I'd still give the edge to Rom over Shoffley, but I mean, the way he hits the ball is so, he's so good tee to green. It's, um, is it, the way he drives it, like he drove it so well all week. That's, he's just got so much confidence. And I think he's, he's underrated because he played at San Diego State. Nobody really knew him, but I mean, he went, to, he made it to the finals of the Western Am. I mean that's that's a pedigree event. I think I think he's I think he's a stud. I mean obviously he's a stud, but I think he's uh, he's definitely going to win at least one major. Um, I just 
I don't know. We'll see. I, who who gets more majors, Rick or, or Shoffley? Wow. <clears throat> Man. Shoffley just because of like the less the the year years advantage and this less scar tissue and i don't know man i i uh, so ricky ricky's hard to hard to hard to back right now I, like I, like it's he either gets one and then it's like this is great you know it's kind of i'm done i made my career my career achievement or maybe like the worst cliche in sports the floodgates open so i don't know it's hard hard to predict with rick Yeah, I mean, everyone goes back to the, you know, Phil was, what, 34 when he won his first major. I think Hogan was 34. Uh, you can have a fruitful career. Um, I don't know. I just, there's so many different, like, the thing I love about baseball that they do is, like, they'll take a guy's stats and they find comparable players based on their, like, career pass from that point forward, and they'll compare, like, all right, Every guy who was hitting 250 by his age 25 season with 15 homers, like this is the average of what his career looks like. And I don't feel like we do that well in golf. We just like some guy has a great season. Oh, this his progression is going to be linear. Like you know, Andy, you and I see an amateur golf of like some guy dominates an amateur golf, and you're like, oh, he's obviously going to be a great pro. And it's like, no, I think some guys actually had the best years of their career like in amateur golf, unfortunately. Uh, and earn nothing for it. And it's just, I don't know, career progression is so hard. We get so spoiled by these guys. Like, we think everyone's going to have a 20 year great career when, like, it's so hard in this game to have even 10 years of, of just great play. There's just so many things that happen. Like, I always look at, like, Keegan. Now, granted, Keegan, I mean, the anchoring band obviously really hurt his career, but, like, Keegan, 2011, rookie year, wins twice, including a major. Like, we all think, Oh my gosh, where's this guy gonna? You know, he went to St. John's, a small school, and we all think of uh, like he's gonna be unstoppable, but it didn't it didn't pan out. And now I'm not saying that Xander's gonna go through the same thing, but it's just like there's so many variables that you just never know what's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, well, Molinari is a perfect example of that career progression. You know, this is yeah. his, his moment, and it's all because like he was always an elite ball striker, but. You know, he shored up his short game and putting. And, I mean, he didn't make a bogey the last two two rounds. And, you know, five years ago, that would never have happened. Yeah. But but he keeps working better. And, and I think that is, that's at all levels of golf. Like, I think one of the things about golf, like, you, you see it playing junior golf. Like, you see these kids that are unbelievable at age 15. But the hardest thing in golf is to get better once you're at, zero plus two plus three handicap like getting better is, is becomes way more difficult the better you get sure i would just say this is a good this is a good transition to talk about the u.s junior i'm just kidding i was about <laughs> to say if we are, uh we're like minutes in here we got a good like 10 minutes on shoffley tiger just had like the biggest moment in golf their biggest contention in five years Got a good 10 minutes on Shoffley, a mention of Keegan Bradley, Patrick Rogers, Cole Hammer. We haven't talked about Tiger or Molinari yet. It's just, this is like exactly how it should be. So, right so, so you're bringing us back to the, to the general here, Brendan. Uh, what, <laughs> what, 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 were, what was your takeaway from, uh, you know, the open? What, you know, what, what do you, what did you love today or what did you think? Um, 
Well, my favorite mo- moment, I think, was the absurdity of that woman keeping her child in that stroller in Shopley back. I, I mean, that, that woman should be ejected from the country. She should be thrown in prison. She should be, like, she was steadfast, refused to move. I mean, the guy was over his ball at a dress, and the kid started chirping again, and she just stood there. He backed off, and then she just stood there. Like, wouldn't you scurry into the crowd and shame and hide your face? You know, I'm, 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 glad, I'm glad you circled the wagons to talk about a child in the crowd. You know? <laughs> I mean, that, that was my favorite moment. It was just added a wrinkle of absurdity to a, like, to be in all, in all seriousness. Um, I think, you know, since I've been doing this, one of the, maybe the top, top day at a major championship. I, mean, I think 2011 Masters is up there. Um, 2013 Masters was bonkers, like the whole weekend. You know, Adam Scott and Hulk Cabrera aren't the names that we got today. Uh, and obviously, 20, I don't know, that whole 2013 year was great. Um, I, don't, I think this, this is certainly 1A or 1B. And I, I think there's just too much to choose from. That, I guess that's where I'd go. Is is this the best kind of the, the most enjoyable and manic and eventful final round of a major for you guys? Mm. Uh, real quick, I want to go back to the kid in the stroller. I have a two year old, and I don't understand how anyone brings a child under the age of thirteen to a golf event. It blows my mind. Oh. Uh, as far as manic, I think 2011 Masters is up there. <coughs> um. But it's, I mean, it's definitely up there, I think. Yeah. I mean, leaderboard-wise with, like, the superstars, we haven't seen that in a really long time where legitimately on Sunday you had, you know, three of probably the three biggest names in golf right now, Spieth, Rory, and Tiger, all with, like, a legit shot to win, you know. And then One of my favorite moments was, like, for whatever reason – I flipped out onto the leaderboard online and like, I, I just opened it real quick. It was before they had showed Rory's Eagle putt and, or maybe my DVR, I, I at some point ended up 30 seconds behind and it showed Rory at the top at six under. I was like, wait, what the hell? We where like, cause you hadn't seen him in so long. And you just, he just wasn't like part of the story. And I flipped up in the leaderboard. I was like, what the hell? Roy McIlroy, he was at the very top because he had just made, you know, joined the lead most recent. And then all of a sudden they showed his eagle. And it just like took what already was a crazy day to like another level. And I mean, anytime you get Rory joining the lead in the last like, what, I guess it was five holes of major championship. That's going to be the biggest story of the day. But this was like way down, you know, in the middle of the pack, three, four, five. That, that was amazing. I, I looked at the board. I was like, that can't be right. Rory's not in first. And then his eagle putt came on the TV, you know, 30 seconds later, and I couldn't believe it. I, I think it was just there's too much to choose from. To me, the Open Championship has supplanted the Masters as the best event of the year. Wow. Three years in a row, it's been the best. And, the, and then, you know, if you look back, like Will Knights are – wrote an article about like the last 10 and you read and you read through them and it's just like oh my god every year pretty much i mean you sink and watson you know they're every single year is seemingly a great championship 
You know, when was yep. the last time that you were disappointed with the Open Championship? Right. Yeah. So why do you think that is? I mean, aside from the obvious like, <clears throat> venue. I mean, I think so much of it is links golf because it allows so many different varieties of play to compete. I mean, Watson's not competing if it's not a links course. Greg Norman's not challenging a Burkdale if it's not a links course. <laughs> I think so much of it is that it is a links course. Um, yeah, but even and beyond, I think that, that, beyond so, that, but we keep getting the best names at the top of leaderboard out of well, 156. But you I got think Phil, we got Rory. Got Go I'm trying to make my point. Uh, I think Andy will agree here that when it's firm and fast, and yeah, the greens were soft, but the fairways were not this week. When it's firm and fast and windy, you got to control your trag. And so that brings out the best players. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one thing to hit an eight iron 150 and, and stick it, it's another thing to hit like a, you know, little punch seven iron baby cut back into the wind. Uh, Patrick Reed had a great quote earlier in the week of like the fairways were so firm that let's say you were trying to hit a six iron and you caught it a groove low. It was actually going to go like 20 yards farther because the trajectory was lower and the spin was less. And so like that small little miss hit was going to be punished exponentially. So I think you just have to control your trad, strike your ball well uh, when conditions are firm and fast and when you're running it on the ground. Yeah, I agree. I think what it is is that players all of a sudden have to think about where they're going to land the ball. And that's a lot different than, hey, it's 152, you know? And it's yeah. one, is it like the yardage is at an open. I mean, they don't mean anything. 152 could be a wedge that you land 120 or like, you know, a chip eight iron that you land 120 and let roll in. It could be, you know, it, it could be a number of shots. You could hit all these different shots. The trajectory matters. The spin matters. Like, and I think that brings art to the game. It's not as scientific. It's it's much more feel oriented. And I think it also brings all the skills to the forefront. And that's what you know. Great golf courses do is it 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 makes players have to hit all the great shots. Like when you go to a great golf course, you generally hit every club in your bag. You know, and I think that that's the kind of the essence of, of why the open has, has done this is that it, it allows everybody to play their own game, but it also, you know, to succeed, you have to hit all the shots. So do you not need to think about where it's going to land at Augusta or a U.S. open venue? I mean, I'm not, you, you do, but I don't think it's to the same degree. You know, <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I think, I mean, Augusta, you know, the tree planting has, has taken away a little bit of, from that golf course. That golf course is, you know, just like it was built after the old course, you know? Yeah. So that's, I mean, but they've lost some of the, you know, the essence of that over the years. But right. at the same time, I mean, this is nothing against Augusta. I just yeah. think that the open in my mind is, has become the best event of the year. I thought Will Gray from golf channel had a great tweet about that. He's like, USGA has every like technology and piece of equipment at their disposal and still get out of their own way. But the RNA just like puts a sign in the ground pointing you to the first tee and it's the best tournament ever. Like they just, I don't know. In, in the, def in the defense of the USGA, I think that the media actually goes into the US Open and like looking yeah. for things that the USGA is going to screw up, you know? Right. Right. Like if 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 the USGA had the greens as soft as as what the RNA had them this week, 
people would be throwing like a, a shit fit about it. Good point. That's a good but, point. But would they? If like eight under one, eight, I think I think five to ten under is a great winning score. Yeah, I, I I agree, but I think people would still do that. Like you know, like a, a perfect example is people would uh, complain about how thin the rough was, yeah. and like I thought that was absolutely like that fescue was so perfect because you could you saw shots you saw unbelievable recovery shots from that stuff, but then you also yeah. saw Tiger try and do too much from it, and that's what oh, killed yeah. him in the middle of the round. That's that's what cost Tiger that like thin fescue cost Tiger the a shot at winning. Yep. Yeah. Euphemism of tugging the shaft. Yeah. It was always kind of parental advisory. Kept, kept using that phrase. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's, that's literally what cost him the, the championship in the middle of the, that's a, that's a great point though, about the different universes, the organizations have to work in, especially with those green, like those soft greens first couple of days. I don't know. I, I, it just, yeah, the bar, the bar, I don't know if the bar is higher for the USGA or they just, they, you know, they've lost, lost the luxury of having, you know, <laughs> margin for error or, or I don't know. I think it's more, they've lost the trust. It's like, you know, if, yeah. a, if a kid like constantly, you know, abuses uh, the trust of a relationship that the kid's got a shorter lease, you know, from whoever it is, you know, whether it's the parents, but. I think the the USGA has like you know they've had so many problems over the years and in the RNA on the opposite end of the spectrum has never really done anything that have you know violated the trust. The biggest thing was what 2015 St Andrews on the winds. They said the they let the greens get too fast, so they had to wipe out a whole day of play because of whatever. It's at the 11th green, it's too exposed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were just. I mean, that's. I think that's like the biggest screw. You know, the most criticism they received in the last you know eight years or so how about they they put spieth on the clock i didn't get that i didn't know that until i saw him talking about it he said that was a turning point in his championship i mean i don't know that he i don't think i don't think he was trying to blame someone else but he's like that that threw me off that really like changed changed the way i played what would they come in at like 340 no i think it was like 415 today Oh, they were that long? Yeah, it was a little so longer. At two or something. Okay. But, but you know, they're, they're actually enforcing the rule. <laughs> if the USGA did that to a leader, people would go nuts. Yeah, that's true. Didn't they, I thought they put uh, the final group on the clock this year, no? Yes, yeah, they yeah. did. Today, I think. No, I mean, at the US Open. Oh, sure. US. Oh, they, I think they did, right? I think they did. Everyone's on the clock. They're all slow. Just I don't know. That pace of play was was also one of my the most refreshing things. Like I remember. Well, here's the thing. I tweeted this at Colonial, and all these Scots. Well, one Scott was coming at me, and I was like, people underestimate how much the walk from green to tee affects pace of play. Like Colonial is super walkable. I mean, greens right off of tees. Now, granted, it feels a little bit smaller. It's like one twenty, I think. But like guys are getting around in, in four, uh, under four on the weekend, and, and so same with with links golf. I think people under, underestimate uh, the the walk from tee to green, and then also if you're not taking a ton of drops, there's not a lot of hazards obviously on, on links golf, so you're not getting a, lot, a ton of rulings. So I think those are two things that people underestimate about pace of play. 
Reef was talking about how Xander kept getting bugs on his ball. Yeah. And then what else? Um, they had a couple of rulings. He thought that was the only time. So like he said it was the fastest round he thought he, he really ever played, and he was surprised being on the clock. He had that drop on uh, what hole was it on the front nine? It was eerily reminiscent of last year. Par five, right? Yeah, six. Yeah, six. Hogan's Alley. How great is that hole? Good hole. The, those guys Good made hole. double and, and bogey on that hole. The tiger put it on the front edge of the green. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think of Carnoustie? Uh, I think Paul Casey put it the best. He said... It's not sexy, but it's good. Yeah. So, like, you can't see the water from the course. Um, but, so it's just, it is kind of, you know, it doesn't have the mystique of St. Andrews and the water views of some other courses, but it's just, it is, it's, it's good. It's so well bunkered. And Tiger kind of called it early in the week of like, some guys are talking about like, oh, I'm going to hit driver everywhere and bomb it over the bunkers. And Tiger's like, you can't really do that here. It's too well bunkered. And it really, it's, it is, it's very well bunkered. I think guys who tried to take that approach because it was so firm and fast got ejected. And, you know, it's some of the toughest pop bunkers. They're so small here. Some of the faces are like six feet deep that pop bunkers are almost a, a one stroke penalty here. And so, I don't know. I think it was great. The bunkering, I mean, you had bunkers coming into the middle of the fairways. You didn't just have bunkers lining the sides of the fairways. And so really, if you wanted to have the best angle in, you had to challenge the bunkers, which, I mean, that's width and angles 101 right there. Yes, that's, uh, I, I think like it, it reminds me kind of of uh, Chicago golf in a way of like where it's like, it's not a dramatic site, pretty flat, yeah. um, nothing really special. In, in the architecture, you look at it and you're like, why can't more golf courses be this simple and this good, you know? Yeah, I think I tweeted after you posted that drone photo of Chicago Golf Chicago Golf Club. I'm like, this place is dead flat. Like, why can't we do this more often? This would be so cheap to build. Tiger was saying, <clears throat> Tiger was saying it's. He thought it was much. It's much more um, undulating than than Hoy Lake because they were asking him about, you know, if he would do the Hoy Lake strategy. But it's like, well, you got a lot more bumps and humps and hills there. But I don't know. Yeah, maybe but- Hoy Lake extremely flat. Those bunkers are no joke there. I mean, a, no. how about that t- that shot Tiger hit um, on yeah. 10? That was, Tiger looked back there. That was like, that was old school Tiger. That was like, I don't know. I mean, I think, I heard multiple people say like, oh, this is over. He's going to win this thing after he hit that shot. That's what I thought. Like in my head, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Game over. That what, like he was... <clears throat> He was getting, he was, the spots where, <laughs> the first four or five spots where, like, things would go backwards or come undone didn't happen. Or he got used to that kind of in 2013. Just, like, a couple early bogeys. But here he, like, saved par. Whether it was eight, I think it was eight, he got up and down from a pot bunker for par. Um, the one time, like, his par-saving putt just, like, hung on the edge of the cup and, like, fell in. Normally that would just kind of stay. Not normally, but you know, in recent years, like it, and then then that that recovery out of the bunker, it just felt like he was <laughs> those the, the spots where like he would drop a shot, like it just felt like those weren't happening. It, combined with uh, Saturday's tee shot on eighteen, kind of dancing on the edge of the burn there, that, that when he yanked that iron, two iron, 
Um, mm-hmm. It just felt like it was kind of coming together, and it was his week. And then the bogeys very much happened a couple holes later. That double bogey on, um, I mean, it was it, it was amazing to watch, and I, I I think I get amazed by this every like major where you're really watching and you're know, really engaged in the tournament is like you just realize how small the margin of error is of mm-hmm. like Molinari, like he just he just didn't make mistakes. And then you look at Tiger, like that one mistake, like the the flop shot, by just not playing a little safer and giving himself a chance, making that double bogey. You know, Molinari's wedge shot would have been a lot more difficult with Tiger in there tight if he didn't have that one shot lead or two shot lead. Yep. You know? Yep. And uh, I think I think that's something that's uh, and you look at Rory. Rory missed a short putt on on uh, Saturday on twelve, and then he missed a short putt again today. And those two putts, that's like you know that's that's the difference between him being in a playoff and being in second. Yeah, there were a couple with Rory that just uh, what do you have two bogeys in the first five holes today, eighteen yesterday where he kind of just he couldn't get up and down. There's so many, like you said, like so many very minuscule things that, you know, end up being a big difference and put miles between the top of the leaderboard and wherever you fall. Yeah, I, I feel like Tiger would have made that birdie putt on 18 had it been, you know, a different situation. Yeah, I think why he, he saw whatever Molinari stuff it a minute later and I was just like, oh, whatever. So Andrew had a good question. Andrew K. I think. Based on this week, one which is the one player you're buying stock, and which one are you selling? Cool. Uh, I didn't own any Tiger stock, so I guess Tiger, maybe Xander. Is what you're buying? Yeah. Um, selling Ricky, buying. I mean, I don't know. Buying Tiger, I guess, right? I mean, long term, long term buying. Actually, Xander's a better long term investment. Buying Xander, if I didn't own her already. I'm uh, I'm buying Tony Finau. Three straight yeah. top tens and majors could could be four. And uh, Bell Reef probably is going to fit him well. It's going to be nice yeah. and nice and doughboy soft out there. <laughs> and then. Uh, I'm gonna sell. I'm selling. Um, hmm, who am I selling? Rom, DJ, JT. I'm trying to think who missed a cut. I mean, a lot, a lot of good guys. Obviously, not not worth selling. But I'm just saying. I think I'd selling. probably probably sell Rick. Is tough. Rick. Yeah, I don't. Rick only has like. You talk about like these trajectories. Ricky doesn't have a lot of wins. Yeah, and seventy three. I mean, seventy three yesterday was really disappointing. Started in the mix, could have made a move. Was playing easy. Uh, it was harder in the afternoon, but I mean, still, the seventy three yesterday was just it wasn't good. What What's his last win? Honda? No, was it last last year's Honda? Yeah, I yeah. Think so. <clears throat> Yeah, last year, last year's Honda. It's just I don't know. It's 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 like it's not easy to be as like consistently good as he is. But 
I mean, it's easier than winning. I, I don't know. I, I, he just doesn't. He doesn't win as much as his peer. I don't it know. is a tough one. It's like the Charles Howell argument. Yeah. It, I just don't understand why either he doesn't win as much. He's kind of like Paul Casey in a way. You know? Yeah, and I think like oh, he he it, it whether we want whether it's subconscious or not, um, like the, the demands on him are greater because he's so exposed. There's so much exposure. Whether we think whether we're we're doing it consciously or not, because he's in uh, you know he pops up in every commercial break of every telecast. Whether it's you know Mercedes or mortgages or insurance or whatever it is. And like his popularity with with just kind of the clickbait world, you know, like he does something on Instagram and it's immediately a post. Whereas a lot of guys with more wins don't, you know, do something. And it's not it's it's not a the subject of some article. I think like the the demands on him are higher and the disappointments are more um, conspicuous because. Because of because of that exposure, you know, off the golf course. I know that's 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 not exactly a new take, but but I think it is where we are when you're talking about you know a Paul Casey or, or someone like that. It just it just it it just is. The disappointments are more conspicuous. Yeah, I liked the Masters quote when he kind of said, you know, this was the first one I really felt like I should have won. I feel ready to win. Uh, I thought maybe that would bring maybe a a harder edge to him. I think too, I mean the hard part too, like Ricky's content, which I think is fine. Like we want these guys to like always be mad whenever they don't win. And we want them to be, you know, just fiery. And you really, you can't do that in this game because you win so little, but then we harp on them when they like seem content, which I think Ricky does. Like you want to just be more fired up. Uh, I don't know, but He's really good by most metrics, just except for wins. It's this whole thing is like, is winning overrated? Because if a consistency is, you know, more important than winning, he's like <coughs> one of the 10 best players of, you know, in the world. But if it's strictly based off winning, he isn't. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at his results. And so he finished run- runner up at the Masters. And since then, he's missed one cut. And besides that miscut, his worst finish is 21st. I mean, literally, like, second, T21, MC, T14, T8, T20, 12th, and 6th. And then I think he finished, like, 28th this week. Like, that's hard to do. To me, But then I do – I wonder if there's, like, that – so, like, Ricky can just kind of coast and play really good golf, and Ricky's, like – Ricky's normal golf is really good. But you need to have that, like, spike of where you're really, like – so if you're like your strokes gain total, you know, some guys are pretty flat lines. Some guys have spikes, peaks and valleys and their peaks get them wins. and Their valleys get them missed cuts. But we'd rather see that in a sense, uh, see the wins and the missed cuts and see the guys kind of flat line. Like Ricky just plays well every event. But he's kind of got his range, whereas the environment favors those guys who will peak and get the wins, even if they miss the cuts afterwards. Yeah, it's something you said for just playing a ton of good golf. It is it is interesting because I think society values the you know win twice in a year, miss ten cuts over yeah 
you know, missing three cuts, having tons of top tens and not winning, you know? Yeah, totally. And, and side, yeah, yeah. I don't know what's better. Well, the market definitely, I don't know, wants whatever Ricky's selling, I guess, whether he, I don't know. I think like, uh, uh, but our little corner of the world, <clears throat> golf nerds and people who follow this, you know, I guess we can have reasonable debates about it, but you know, Skip. What did Skip Bayless say? Ricky's too short, like physically too small to win. <laughs> yeah, he's not tall enough. <laughs> the, the take artist, you know. But, you know. So, uh, is uh, is Justin Rose the best player in the world? <sighs> yeah, I uh, I was gonna say Dustin, but. Dustin missed the cut this week. The thing that was, <clears throat> the thing that kind of struck me was how really like unsurprising it was to see him. Yeah. As soon as he made that putt on Friday to make the cut on the number, it was like, oh, well, like he's going to finish in the top 20, top 10, maybe. And then like, it just like, it, it just felt natural and expected for him to shoot that 64 on the round of the day on Saturday. And then, you know, goes under under par again today. It, it, I think that, that what struck me was just how like how natural and, and automatic it felt. So yeah, I think too. The thing with Rose, he was an amazing ball striker for so long, right? But he couldn't putt. Yeah, and then his putting improvement has been huge this year. And so basically, you're taking a guy who was a perfect player except for his the one club in his bag. And now he's really good with that, so he's basically a perfect player right now. You know, I, I heard mean, it was because he stopped wearing the sunglasses. He can read the greens better. <laughs> I didn't even think. About I can't it. tell. I can that. I that feels like it could be a real take, but I just can't tell. No, I, he started to stop wearing the sunglasses last fall in the FedEx Cup. Actually, you know what? That's right. I remember at Tour Championship, I asked or someone asked him, and I was in the interview, and he said that if he starts the week with the sunglasses on, he would wear them throughout the week. Uh, so like, I think one day it was cloudy and he was wearing them and someone was like, why are you wearing sunglasses? It's cloudy out. He's like, well, for consistency with my reads, if I start the week with the sunglasses on, I finish the week. So now I just no sunglasses. He, he does aim point, right? Is that right? I Doesn't think, he do- uh, he does the claw. I don't know why aim point. I think I've seen him do that. Animal. You know, 23 starts since last year's Northern Trust, four wins. And 18 top 10s. It's hard to beat a guy who hits it really, really good and, and now puts really, really good. Less majors than Brooks Kepka. Less majors than Brooks Kepka, though. That's, that's the, this is like the whole debate. Yeah. You know, less wins than, than Dustin, probably, I, I think. I would say, I think, maybe not. I'd say Jason Day has had like the most tiger like run of the last. Five years, I, maybe maybe DJ when he won three starts in a row, but like you know, <clears throat> Jason Day's the only guy that sustained it for eighteen months. Yeah, you know, like yeah. over a year of sustained dominance. You know, like there was like no question who the best player in golf was during Jason Day's run. You know, he's got one major PGA at Whistling Straits. <laughs> Thing I like about Rose is I feel like there's not a lot that's going to be changing his life. Like Jason's wife is pregnant; they have another kid. He wants to spend a lot of time with his family, which I think is great. Oh. But like, 
you're adding another kid and things right. like that. There's no there's no variables in Justin Rose's life, right? Like he's married, he has his kids, and now it's it's all about his game. And I don't know. I just don't see a lot changing with Justin Rose. I guess. Like I feel like he's just going to keep this up. All of this for. Uh, I think he's thirty seven. Late thirties. Yeah. Well, he was what eighteen in the ninety eight open when he finished fourth, so he's thirty eight, yeah. thirty seven. Huh. I was just talking about like the primes lasting, you know, being shorter. I don't know, uh, Rose. Although he's Rose has a game that doesn't feel violent. Although he's got the uh, the back the back uh, back witch doctor. Yeah, but that was the thing. So last year at Birkdale, I asked him. Because uh, I'd heard they'd been making swing changes for the back, and I mean that's one reason he's playing so much better. Is the back is so much better, and they've changed a lot in his swing. Not stuff that's visible to like the naked eye, but they've changed stuff in his swing to alleviate the back pain, and that's one reason he's playing so well. Is because they've gotten the back in in a good place. I'm surprised Foley, one of Foley's students, has back problems. <laughs> you know, I I think with. Uh... With Rose, I think we talked about progression earlier in the uh, in the pod. Yeah, he was like a short hitter, and now he's one of the longest. Yeah, nobody would, nobody successfully does that. I remember at at the Masters when he and Sergio were going back and forth. They were both hitting at like three thirty, with like rec- with regularity on that on that Sunday. You know, not three thirty every time, but. They were both just, uh, plenty long enough. I just couldn't like everybody. It was just crazy. Rose, you just think of as kind of like this lanky ball striker. He's older and he's just like striping irons. But yeah, like you said, he's he's got he's plenty long enough. One way that Justin Rose could stay a little bit more healthy is to stay hydrated. It's good for your back. It's good for your entire body. The best way to stay hydrated on the golf course is greater than. Check out Greater Than on drinkgt.com and use the promo code THEFRIEDEGG for 20% off your order. If you want to give it a shot before you dive into a full case, check out their new trial pack where you can taste each of their three flavors for a nice low price. That's drinkgt.com. I might be selling Sergio. Yeah, that's good. That that might be my, my sell, actually. Is, uh, I mean, yeah, talking about variables, I mean, he got married and had a, a child in not that long a time span. Well, that that's kind of what I was talking about with Ricky earlier. It's like, I don't know, you spend your entire life trying to get this one thing, and you get it. And that like, like that just has to be a, a sense of a comp. Like, you know, you build a company and you – I mean, some people – you know, build a company and sell it for enough money to, you know, retire a hundred times over. And that's what they do. And they just hang out and have live the life. And others want to build another company and sell it, sell another one for a couple hundred, you know, times over, you know, money, more money than they will ever need. I, I think like there's, you can have that effect with winning a major. Sergio spent 20 years in the spotlight and coming close to winning majors, then he finally got it. And I guess, you know, I'm not saying he like doesn't care anymore, but uh, whether that's, whether it's deliberate or not, I mean, that could, that could have an effect where you're just like, wow, I just achieved, you know, 
everything that I've been building towards and that's eluded me for so long. Um, and maybe some, you know, and I wonder about that with Ricky. That's what I, that's kind of what I was getting at earlier. I don't know. I think Sergio's too talented to never contend at a major again or not win a couple more, but I think maybe that's what he's going through. Yeah. I, I, I kind of think the same thing with Sergio. I think it's, uh, it's almost like he needed, like he's on like a little bit of a golf break and that's perfectly fine. You know, like when, uh, entrepreneurs sell their, you know, companies, a lot of times they take a couple year break, you know? Yeah. Like, I definitely think Sergio's there and it's understandable after decades of pursuing a major and then also pursuing marriage <laughs> and a family. Mm-hmm. That, that's the, that's the unique thing I think with golf more so than like a lot of other sports is like, you know, I don't think your body decays, but your these careers are so much longer. You know, Sergio has been, you know, in the spotlight since he was 17 years old. Yeah. And now he's, what, 38, 39? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it, that's like, you know, Kobe retired at, what, 37? Sounds right. So, like, it, it, you know, it, like, he's at a point where most athletes are retiring. You know, and and with golf, he's he's got ten more years, and it's, it takes like such a special, like drive for somebody to keep going. And I think, yeah, I I, I can. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's a tricky thing because I think after he won that major, I thought it was gonna open the floodgates, and it's like, God, this guy's been so close so many times, and it, yeah. and I think it's one of those things where it could go either way, and it went the cool. other way. At this point, it, it also coinciding with him getting married and having kids was like like an unseen, like a just kind of a unexpected. That's just just a lot. I mean, achieving the thing of your life and then also achieving so many personal, so many things in your personal life happening at the same time. I mean, can have that kind of effect. I, I don't know. I, I was disappointed. I, we make these. Can we just talk about like how it's so dumb to make to think like a major eight uh, ten years ago would have any impact on on this week? Like the fact that he came close to Carnoustie in you know two thousand seven, it just it doesn't. It, we put so we put so, way too much weight in that kind of stuff. So I think like while it felt disappointing, disappointing he didn't. You know, whatever he wasn't battling down the stretch like he was ten years ago. I, I just think like that storyline gets so overblown. Like every time we come to a new play, you know, in the three rotating majors, we come back to a place. It's like I don't know. People weren't picking Paul Laurie this week. It's just, it just uh, we we put way too much weight in that this week. Yeah, we just have ten top tens in the open. Yeah. I understand that, but uh, people were just citing that 2007 one, like, oh, he played well at Carnoustie. That that had no bearing on how he's playing right now and what I'm, this. I got fooled by that. You know, I'm I'm the, I'm the idiot that picked Sergio. It uh, wasn't a bad pick. I mean, it's not like a crazy pick. So but. when I uh, when I play like really good golf courses, I find myself getting sad. At the end of the round, like on like the fifteenth hole, like on the green, I'll be just like kind of like in devastation, knowing that the round's ending. And today, during the golf tournament, I'm like, 
maybe like the back nine, the leaders got to the back nine. I all of a sudden got really sad because I looked at the PGA Tour schedule and saw Glen Abbey, Firestone, Bell Reef. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's really. I, I want you guys to get me like, how can I get excited about the PGA? Because like, I, it might be the all time lowest level of excitement for a major championship I've ever had in my life. That's, that's uh, I'm a, excited because my, my wife's brother is getting married that week. So we're renting a beach house uh, for the week <laughs> in Pensacola. I I am sad to not see Brendan and Kyle and KVD and, there, but I am excited for the vacation. I like when you talk about your feelings on this podcast, Andy. Last time <laughs> said that day at Shinnecock was the worst worst day of your life. <laughs> that was Wasn't that a lot of the U.S. Open like post game. You're like Saturday. Might have been the worst day of my life. Well, that so, bad. Play it was golf. It play. was such an affront to width and angles. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I completely agree with you, and don't have a good answer for why I should, why I should get excited about this this PGA. Like, and I almost think like if like even if like Ricky or Rory or some big name wins it, it's like. It should count as like a WGC win or something. I just, I'm not, I don't have a good answer for you. I, I completely agree. I'm not too amped about it. Like, I think that it's, uh, Belle Reeve is almost so offensive that it's intriguing <laughs> to me in one way. I, tonight, I found out that they, when they did their most recent renovations, they put brown dye in the cement mix so that the cart paths were brown. And they were more aesthetically pleasing. Pragmatic. That's how you want to spend your maintenance budget. Yeah. Carpet. Aesthetics. It's right. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, I, I don't know. I, it shouldn't be a major. It, it should not be a major championship this year. Like, I saw somebody, I think it was Will Bardwell. Somebody was like, can we talk about like the air ball? Of, not just, not just the going there, but PJ having that hundredth there, like yeah. the other, like no one, you know, RNA like threw off the schedule a little bit, so the hundred fiftieth in twenty twenty one could specifically be at St Andrews. What like they they like bumped St Andrews back a year? What what? It's the hundredth PGA. It's your hundredth championship. Like, I, what happened? Who who didn't get the memo? Like that makes it extra. I don't know, puzzling. That you're supposed to like celebrate your organization and your championship, you know, even in an extra way, and you're going to Valerie. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's the uh, it's the closest major championship to me, and I, I I'm really having a tough time getting myself to go. I don't I don't know if I I can go down there. The PGA, I feel like they're they're putting the stake in the ground on some better places, just not this year. Is that is that wrong? Am, am I mistaken? I don't know. They're they're booked till like twenty thirty <clears throat> with venues, true. and like I don't know. I think Probably that they're always juggling the whole Ryder Cup thing. All these clubs trying uh, to get right. You know, that's another thing. I I got this for my like. Uh, like don't like article i've been working on that really grinds my gears is like the european tour or the european rider cup site oh god yeah like 
I, I we're watching this at Carnoustie, and I'm like thinking, I'm being like, I was like literally thinking, I'm like, how cool would it be if a Ryder Cup was out at a course like this or like Burkdale or St Andrews, like. How amazing would a Ryder Cup be at St. Andrews? But no, we're going to Le Golf National and we were at the Belfry and the K Club and Celtic Manor. Like these just these courses that don't embody at all what the golf over there is like. They play them at the most Americanized golf courses in Europe. Is there a rash is there a stated rationale for that? Like cause it seems so deliberate that that there's a reason for it. Like, it's not just like a anomaly. Like, why can't it be at Royal County down? Is it for infrastructure? Like what, why I don't like Glen Eagle. I think, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But if they're the British, if you can have the open championship at a place, I don't know. I, I know the Ryder cup's a little different because you want, everything's concentrated on like three and four holes at a time. But I, I just, yeah. Glen Eagles was, it's gross. I don't. It's. I mean, the Ryder Cup venues in general just bother me. Sure. Like, but it's different. It's not about the venue. I mean, it can. It's a. It's a competition that stands on its own. And venue lists can be. I don't know. As, as much as it bothers your particular area of expertise, it's just. It's an adversarial competition. It's not the player versus the course. Speaking of the Ryder Cup, though, the uh, the teams are like absolutely stacked this year i've heard i've heard that it's many are saying you guys want to uh want to do uh overrated underrated probably it's past midnight here in scotland all right we'll get sean out of here all right uh overrated underrated the coverage i think uh i I don't know if i'm qualified here because i watched a lot of the world feed in the media center uh, I generally like, I have a lot of friends that work at Golf Channel, so I'm biased, but I generally like, uh, NBC and Golf Channel. The, the ground tracer thing was cool. Uh, I'm going to say it's become cool to knock the coverage. So I'm going to say underrated. And again, that's probably the same problem we ran into before with other controversial underrated overrated is that I'm tailoring it for our small circle of friends and stuff, but I'm going to say coverage is underrated because I feel like a lot of people just knock it uh, because that's the cool thing to do. So uh, I would say talking about the coverage and this question is extremely overrated. And I am as guilty of it as anyone. I fall into it. Um, I just, I don't know. I've typed, I've written it few times over the years. I just think like, and and I, I tweet, I guilt, I'm as guilty as anyone. I tweet about it too much. Just talking about the coverage is is jump the shark. It's overrated. It's annoying. There's something really bad. Then go ahead if you know somebody's being a particularly idiot, a particularly big idiot, or said something really stupid. Go for it. But I just think like we talk like no one cares. No no one no one. People are just, just people just tune in to watch Tiger. Like I, I know no one's trying to see like you know. The amateur from whatever. It's just Sam Locke. What? Sam Locke. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess like <laughs> it gets to us a little bit too much, but and we do want to see some of the like lesser story, you know, more random and <clears throat> I don't know off the radar stories. But just talking about the coverage is uh, is exhausting. I, 
I've been done with it for a while. I've written it over the years. And I just, I think it's like even worse now. I think golf is actually like probably the hardest thing to televise and of any sport because oh, it's happening. There's, there's all these players in different spots across like every other sport is like, there's one place that the game is being played and a focal right. point of the action. Whereas golf, like, you know, you're all over the place all the time. So I think also, I saw, yeah, go ahead. I saw, I saw some talk on Twitter about we should have commercial free broadcasts of majors. And I was like, Guys, like, what fantasy world are we living in? Like, you got to pay the bills. You paid billions for these broadcast rights for millions. You got to recoup that somehow. Yeah, I mean, the Masters is a, an anomaly. I just yeah, it's just like people want all these articles for free, and then you know expect I don't know expect you know deep reported investigations just happen. Uh, I don't know. It's yeah, Twitter's just a place to complain, so it's not really surprising. Hey, uh, it was was Bryson's outfit on Saturday the the best outfit of the week. It it made me feel good for getting up at at an hour that I really didn't need to on Saturday. Very little was happening. For some reason, I was down on my couch in front of the TV at five a.m. or whatever it was, four thirty. And I look at the screen. I'm like, "What the hell? What, what is going on?" You look like some, like, I don't know, Slavic, like, gangster, or, I, I don't know, or like an old Italian guy, you know, the outfit of an old Italian. It just, it, it was, it paid off for me to, you know, it was worth getting up early to see that. And it, of course, you know, it's all this newfangled technology. It just, the look from afar with like the all white shoes and the white, you know, Hogan cap with the, shiny gray jumpsuit was it's just absurd it wasn't sure it wasn't intended they want him to look slick and you know like he's wearing pieces of technology not some <laughs> fashion statement but it was fantastic I that, feel it, it was straight out of uh the sopranos that outfit yeah. <laughs> yeah. i've seen that look many times you know there's there's six seasons of it I gotta be honest. Brendan had a great week of tweeting. Uh, it was it was strong this week. Hall of Fame week. Yeah, Just, I think overrated, underrated Brendan. I think right. I think his tweets are the are the the bar. They're like they're funny without being just. It's so easy just to like rip on guys and try to get engagements that way. But like they're funny without just being controversial or like without being like just mean like it's really easy to get people fired up on twitter and just you know pick some player you don't like and just harp on them and ignite the masses against them and and get it going that way but like they're funny while being intelligent without just being like just mean for the sake of being mean like they're clever i don't know i think uh underrated brendan i think you're like uh retweet like per tweet percentage is like better than anybody on the internet yeah, Shut up. I'm blushing over here. Yeah. Gosh, Just take what the course gives me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so that Bryson tweet was definitely. I mean, that was the example of the week. But there was there's definitely more than that. Where yeah. that came from? Overrated, underrated, out of bounds. <sighs> overrated. It's why. I don't know. I think I think it's. Hmm. 
I think it's underrated as I it's is that the most brutal penalty in golf? Yeah. It's sure. so arbitrary. Like there's so many things that are marked like okay, number one at Carnoustie, the Barry Byrne runs on the left side kind of early off the tee. You have to hit a really you have to hit a snipe hook to get it in there. But it's O B on the first hole, but it's it's the Barry Burn. But like so on the first hole, if you hit it left into the burn, it's O B. On eighteen, if you hit it left into the burn, it's a hazard. Like it's so arbitrary with OB sometimes. I don't know. I just and the penalty is so much worse than any other penalty in golf, really. Uh, I don't. It's overrated. I mean, we. I feel like also though we can't change it because then I feel like all scoring records almost are rendered obsolete because if you take away OB and make everything a hazard, like it's a huge thing you've changed in the game, and it's almost like uh, raising the the pitcher's mound or lowering it or like changing the height of basketball rooms in basketball, maybe not that drastic, but I don't know. I just, I don't understand OB. It's so arbitrary when something is OB versus Marta's hazard. That was the end of of Ricky. OB should be off the property. Like if you hit on the train tracks, that's OB. If you hit it slightly left into like a backyard where you could maybe play it, that should be a hazard. (laughs) Isn't that off the property? Yeah. All right. True. But wasn't that the case this week? It was like the property was literally constrained. Like that's where the property ended. No, no, but uh, left of one one into the Barry burn. Like there's plenty of property there. There's no reason that left of one in the Barry burn should have been anything besides the hazard. Like literally if you just hit it off the grass into the burn. So if your ball was sitting in the water on one, you were out of bounds, but you were in water, which is, 99% 99% of the time a hazard. You know, yeah. I I think it's underrated. I hate it. I think it yeah. I hate so many things about it, but like for example, that six hole wouldn't be as brilliant if it was a hazard down the left as sure. it is with honest, out of bounds. Like they were people uh, were terrified of hitting the ball left and they just kept sailing them right and making sixes without, you know, going in any hazard on a par five when do you ever see that it's as so menacing I, as, I got, as, as it gets as menacing as the hazard i think right oh it's terrible i gotta be honest i gotta be honest hogan's alley is wider than i thought it was gonna be i was a little bit disappointed yeah it's wider but that that out of bounds makes it like when you're when you're trying to hit that tee shot as a like a in a tournament it's absolutely terrifying you like can't get well, yourself to hit it over there also underrated aspect of it the ground slopes right to left <laughs> so it slopes towards the OB. So you've got to like hit a cut in there. No, I totally, I it's I wouldn't take that line. I mean, that ended, saying that it, was, it was wider than I thought it was going to be. Ended Ricky's championship, right? I mean, he pumped one at OB and then got spooked mentally and shot one way right, went way right, and then he made yeah. it. You know, not to go back to Bell Reef, but just that <laughs> hole, the six <laughs> hole, back <to> Bell Reef, <laughs> the six hole at Carnoustie, like. I look yeah. at that and just Carnoustie in general, Chicago golf, like the, what they do well is so simple. I don't understand how something like Bell Reeve happened. <laughs> like good golf architecture well, you're is talking, so you're simple. Talking. Hey, can you give us like the, 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 I don't know, 60 second skinny on, on Bell Reeve? Yeah, give us, give us a little taste of why it's so. It's Why just, it's so expensive. What's happened there? It's certain holes, or what's what's wrong? It's just it's just 
narrow fairways, long, and then it's just bunkers on both sides. You know, it's like, you know, hit it. It tells you where to hit everything. You know, like six of Carnoustie is great because you could hit it left and take that line, but they give you all this room to the right where it is like a delayed penalty where if I hit it over here, I might not be dead right now, but I'm actually dead unless I hit a perfect shot back. It's this delayed penalty. Like everything at, at Belle Reve is, is just, you know, it's immediate, you know, ruling. Like you're either good or you're bad. And I think where the brilliance in golf is, is when there's this gray and when recovery is allowed and when, you know, you're forced to take on the aggressive line, you know, and you might not know what the aggressive line is. And I think that's the thing why these opens are so captivating is because everybody can has their different strategy. Like at Belle Reve, the strategy is going to be exactly the same. But at, at Carnoustie, we saw guys, everybody was playing a different game plan. You know, Tiger was hitting irons off it's every tee. You know, like there, it allows for people, it forces people to think and execute as opposed to Belle Reve tells you the answer on every, every, and just asks you to execute that answer. Hit it straight and far. With an angles. Does that make sense? Totally. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, Carnoustie was great in that sense of like, you had to take on the pop bunkers. You wanted the, the best angle. And you could play safe, but like, you're not going to play safe all round long and be at the top of the leaderboard. No, Harrington said it great. Harrington was like, look, yeah, you can lay back short of the pop bunkers if you want here, but you're going to have 200 yard approaches almost all day long. And so you're not going to score, which, but then at the same time, if you're like a, 20 handicap and you're playing that course like it's great you can roll it you know all great holes should be able to be played without a putter or with a putter except for the 17th of sawgrass a great hole but you can't play with a putter unless you get on the left um but no i think that's the reason carnoustie is great i think because someone had a great quote that some of the other links courses like you can kind of lay back from the pop bunkers but you'll still have like if you lay back you'll have you know 170 in but if you kind of Go for it. You'll have like 130 in, but that's like an eight iron versus a nine iron, eight iron versus wedge, maybe. Whereas at Carnoustie, you lay back and you have like 200 in. If you go for it and push it, you're going to have like 150 in. Now you're talking about like six iron versus like nine iron, and that's a huge difference. So I think that was an interesting point of like at Carnoustie, you really have to push it unless you just want to be hitting long irons all day long. All right. Last, uh, last overrated, underrated, Tiger. Hmm. I'm gonna say underrated, man. Like I think, you know, we it's kind of we've heard him say it a lot every week of like, you know, this time last year, I didn't think I'd be playing golf again. But honestly, like this time last year he never thought he'd play golf again. And the guy is contending in major championships. That swing he took on 10 out of that fairway bunker was like, I mean, there are very few people on the, ta- on the, on the planet who can make that kind of a golf swing, let alone people on the planet who've had four back surgeries and can make that golf swing. And it's easy to get jaded with tiger. Obviously every time he gets in contention, the gifs are just going to start flying. 
uh, there's nothing I hate more than a tweet that has more exclamation points and gifs than it does words. And that always happens when Tiger gets, gets in contention. But at the same time, like the guy literally, I mean, if, you know, what are you saying? Like he was bedridden and like had to use a golf club as a cane to walk out of his bed and now is contending in major championships. You know, I, like I know like it's not cool to gush about Tiger, but I mean, that's insane. That shot he hit on 10 was like one of the greatest golf shots I've ever seen. Oh, it was ridiculous to get it that high, but then also to move it that far forward. In that situation too, like, hey, yeah. I mean, it's it's a shame. There's burn there short yeah. of the green. You could hit that in the burn easily. If he goes on to win that event, it's like into his top 15 shots of all time. Oh, yeah. That shot was unbelievable. And I that's like, I think the thing about Tiger is like he regularly does things that you don't ever see anybody else do. He's he's way underrated. Is Brendan there? I don't know. I think he's gone. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I see him. We we might we might just have to call it. Brendan dislikes. We'll just oh, he get, left. We'll what get happened? him in here real quick. No, not, no he's back. You're back. Here? Yeah. Well, the last one, I don't know when he, we lost you, but the last one is... Uh, <laughs> I heard I heard the whole thing. Tiger Woods. I heard it. I, I think... Um, yeah, like you guys are talking about a year ago. I wrote that Saturday, like a year ago. He was sending weird-ass tweets about his Oakland Raiders pool table. And then he was shooting... <laughs> was the fact that... The fact that you remember that stuff is really like the key to your greatness. Like I don't remember that at all, but that was I, a great it, tweet. I mean, that was up there with whatever Mac Daddy Santa for me. It's just like, <laughs> wow, he should not have his account. What is the purpose of this? Like he shouldn't have the keys. So why did he send? I just remember it in the moment. Um, I agree with all that. I agree with all that. Um, I think like this, like he says, it's a gift. Hashtag blessed. Um. I'm way in on Tiger. I'm buying him, all that. I think we're kind of overrating. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that. Yeah, I, I think based on the last five years of injuries and personal scandals and all that stuff, and barely being able to walk, kind of gives, makes us a little more lenient. But he was having trouble closing before all that happened. He was having that trouble in 2013. He had it, that trouble at Muirfield, at Oak Hill. Um, it, he he was having that trouble. And he did, again, today. I, I, I know he led a major championship on the back nine on a Sunday. And, and I'm not, like, denigrating that. That's amazing. I'm just saying. And I thought golf, Brandel and Frank went into this better than anyone after the round as we were all kind of, it was like a hit of some drug and we were on this high. And they kind of, like, brought it back down to earth for me was like well you know he hit five and six fairways on every nine all week on his back nine on sunday he hit one fairway um and they put up like a graphic about how many bogeys he has on sunday back nine this this year whether it's you know pumping it out of bounds at bay hill or (coughs) um Quick loans, Wells Fargo, I, the players, you know, he put in the water at that, 17. Like, they're like the bogeys or doubles, bogeys are worse stats for his final round back nines aren't great. 
So yeah, I mean, I thought Rory had a great quote. I mean, Rory said it basically that this tiger does things that Tiger of 15 years ago did not do. Like this tiger is not infallible. Like so I don't want Tiger to was here and have my words twisted like we did with Xander. <laughs> <laughs> How many times have you said that this podcast? <laughs> but I, I'm not trying to pour cold water on it. I just think like. Um, Wow, I know where this is that, going. Everything you're, that's you're happened go. in the last five years, we tend to kind of t- tend to just focus on the positive. I'm not sure that's necessarily the wrong thing to do, but there, there is. Porat says Tiger is overrated. Might be the yeah. headline of the uh, of wow. the title <laughs> title of the podcast. There, Por- there is some. There is some. You know, we need to approach this with an equitability that you know the fanboys may not have. Come for the architecture takes. Stay for Brendan calling Tiger Woods overrated. You won't believe it. You will not believe <laughs> what Brendan Porath from SB Nation said about Tiger Woods. Fortunately, I, Por- such a small deal that, that I, you know people don't aggregate my podcast. Uh, so. Brendan Porath said, "What? Click here to find out." <laughs> and it's also at minute seventy-five of the podcast. <laughs> You'll never believe what Brennan Porat said about Tiger Woods. We didn't get into blistering Tiger takes until the last two minutes of the pod. All right, uh, what do you guys? Uh, what do you guys got coming out uh, this uh, about the Open? Are you, Brendan, are you published anything yet, Sean? I'm on to publish all. Um, I, I just did a quick jam on on Frankie M this afternoon, and then started gathering things for the morning. Gonna have gonna have a thing on Tiger. Probably gonna have a thing on just a separate thing on like the holistic the entire Sunday. So yeah, I wrote a Tiger piece. Uh, I thought it's pretty cool. I asked Xander. Cause I forgot to ask him Saturday, but being a San Diego guy, if he was at the 2008 U.S. Open, and it was kind of cool. I thought he was at he was there. He was at the 72nd hole watching as like a 14 year old when Tiger made that putt in the last major he won, and then all of a sudden now you know, Xander was being chased by Tiger. And, um, I don't know. So that was cool. And so I'm sort of a Tiger piece on that. And, uh, his, I don't know, like his kids were there, which I thought was a cool moment. Um, you can tell it really means a lot to him. I know it's kind of sentimental and easy to make fun of, but so I wrote Tiger today. Um, I don't know what I have coming in. I'm, I'm very intrigued by Francesco. I wrote a stats post after, uh, after he won at Quicken that, uh, he could have finished third to last in the field and he still would have won because he hit the ball so well, uh, according to Strauss gain. So I don't know. I'm very intrigued by Francesco. I feel like no one hits the ball like straighter, like than he does. Like he's the Italian Hogan. So I'm going to try to do something with that, but he didn't hit uh, any not, foul balls. Like any, no, like no. <laughs> and also it's crazy too. people. No one mentioned Eduardo like at all today, but like Eduardo won the USAM at Marion, so the Molinaris now have a, a US amateur and a Clara Jug, which is insane. And like it's crazy too because they don't look anything like brothers. Yeah. Eduardo's really skinny and he like doesn't hit it very straight, and he's a scrambler and he has an amazing short game. And Francesco for forever couldn't putt, but just hit it dead straight like every time. Like he's the iron Italian, the iron Byron. Uh, and it's so like, if you saw them play golf and saw them next to each other, you would never know they were related, but they're both very good golfers. What, uh, the, I don't know, very interesting. The, the Molinari slam might be the greatest yeah. record in golf. I know. <laughs> you know, I'm writing an exhaustive uh, piece about the I'm back moment of this weekend, which is Hunter Mahan tied first at Barbershop. Oh, 
I'm so excited for that to <laughs> tee off tomorrow. Uh, I think they're teeing off right now. It's it's seven. I thought it was post. No, it's seven. I don't. No, well, they no the the leaderboard said they had an eight p.m. tee time, which I assumed wasn't happening, and I assume they're just. ZB uh, ZB texted uh, during tomorrow. this during this pod that said I'm 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 walking in the first tee. Um, yeah, I'm very excited. That that's a big story. I feel like, um, but yeah, I got nothing until Aronimink, yeah, uh, BMW Championship. Are you gonna be there? I know it's not in the Chicago area, but it's pretty woke. I'm 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 thinking about uh, you know investing some resources and uh, getting the lowdown, doing doing some stuff on for Marion or for Aronimink and uh, and uh, Ridgewood. Oh, and I'm playing Hickory Golf tomorrow. I'm woke. So other than that, Hick Fever, you're gonna be, yeah. you're gonna be, you and Brandon Stone. That was one of the coolest moments of the of the week. That'll go. I go love. Oh I love when you All see right. professional golfers who love golf. Yeah, this is so underrated, actually. Yeah, it's like ZB. That's yeah. why we love them. Too many guys, like I don't know. I think that's one of the problems, though. Is like you know, is when it's your job, you you lose what made you so great you know like i don't know it's 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 tricky but yeah i agree the guys that just can't get enough of golf are are the best yeah shout out zb in minute 97 of this podcast yeah all right guys um i'm, I'm calling it unless you got anything else to say about the open oh see, see you at firestone and bell Reeve. oh i might i might go to firestone you know just so i can i can put the put the final uh Final, you know, dirt on top of its grave as a PGA Tour site. I got to be honest, as a from a journalist standpoint, I love Firestone. It's like summer camp because you have the two other courses there. It's light to like 10 p.m. And so we would just go like take carts around and, and play golf until like 10. So I don't know, selfishly, I love Firestone. It's my favorite events to go to. I'm, I'm recording this from Northeast Ohio, so I, I'm, I'm going to publish it and get out of town. A great place. <laughs> All right, guys. Later. All right. All right. Later. You've been listening to the Fried Egg Podcast. We do the digging for you. 